Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Hey, well, thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. You can do a fuller introduction of yourself than I can, so why don't you start with that? How, how full? Don't uh, just say <laughs> <hi>. <laughs> well, maybe not starting at the beginning of time, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'll give a brief intro kind of who I am, and I, I figure we'll probably spend the rest of the time talking about the business. Um, if that makes sense. Sure. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm Colin Gilbert. I am a founder and the CEO of Unique Kitchen. And, uh, you know, in my role here, trying to build some successful businesses. And the whole idea is that, you know, we're building an ecosystem and that uh, we're trying to give an entrepreneur really a concept and a path and uh, a system which they can leverage to do some good things. And, uh, you know, so my background is, is doing all sorts of stuff in food. I got out of college and didn't want to do what I studied, like most of us, mm-hmm. um, and I uh, wanted to work in food. Did you start in a restaurant or how, where did you start? Yeah, everyone everyone starts at the restaurant, like washing dishes, of right? Of course, um, yeah. So I did that. I, I washed the dishes for free for a little bit uh-huh. and kind of worked my way in. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, cooking, I was washing dishes as a bouncer. I also had a job as a manager of a, of a cafeteria for, for this company, Sodexo, large company. Oh, service. man, yeah. 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 Sodexo, and that, that yeah. was actually really, really important. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, know what I learned uh, then was that there's principles that big businesses apply, and they make money, mm-hmm. and they stay in business, and they do cool things. Or they don't do cool things, but they stay in business. <laughs> in that I was working at these small restaurants. I was, like, literally working free or working for, like, minimum wage and just trying to learn about, like, like how to run a cool restaurant. And, you know, they weren't great at making money. And that kind of threw me off. I was like, man, people that are really smart doing really great things but they don't make money, and mm-hmm. they're going to stop doing it at some point. Through that next zone, I was like, man, these guys are really great at making money, and uh, I'm learning all of these elements of, like, you know, food safety and, like, managing a payroll. And what if these people at this awesome restaurant just, you know, used these lessons? Uh, man, they would do cool things. I would really, I'd really like living in the city a lot more. Mm-hmm. Just for the benefit of our listeners, you're in what city? Yeah, I'm in Washington. D.C. Yeah, um, so in yeah, Arlington or right in in D.C. or the whole area? I try to be everywhere. You try to be everywhere. <laughs> no, I'm in D.C. I live in D.C. Our business is uh, entirely in D.C. Okay. And we, are, yeah, and we are spread out throughout the city. We're in, I think, uh, we're in two of the quadrants, uh, but we'll be in uh, all four of the quadrants at some point soon. Cool. Well, that's that's an exciting part of the conversation with you, I think, is is how you've grown over time. And now that I know that you spent some time at Sodexo, that even <laughs> makes more sense. So when you were at Sodexo, were they starting to do some of their more innovative um, food programs for schools? Like, well, yeah, I was working at schools. I don't, I don't uh-huh. know if we were innovative or not. Uh-huh. Um, I know we did composting, and I know we, we did. Uh, <laughs> I know so, we did I mean, I would say so. that that you know, Sodexo has been around a long time, and they. But what I've been interested in uh, with with them actually is that these incremental innovations that they've been doing over time to bring in things like composting or try to do some local sourcing and that kind of thing. 
I was actually in Boston at the time. That's where I grew up, mm-hmm. and I uh, was working there. And, you know, we were very focused on what would make our customer, which was the university, happy. Right. And, you know, focusing on sustainability, focusing on local, and focusing on just, you know, making students happy mm-hmm. uh, was what was going to make the administrators happy. And they would renew the contract. Right. The contract was worth a lot of money. Right. Well, and I think that is such an incredible insight. It's so simple, but it's such an insight because I think in, in the whole food movement, as a movement, people have thought, they think about it from the food end, you know, I want to do this kind of farm with this kind of food and we're going to change the world, right? But the consumer and what they want is kind of totally out of the equation in a way. And then a business, the way businesses approach this is the opposite way, right? That we think about what what does a consumer want and how can we get that to them? And it turns out that consumers do actually want sustainability and clean food and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's such a core part of, of, you know, something I learned. Yeah. Uh, but also something that we just talk about all day long. Yeah. I just don't really care what you want mm-hmm. as the producer mm-hmm. or, you know, what I want mm-hmm. as a maker. Um, I mean, those things matter in terms of, like, you need to be passionate need to love what you do, but a business is entirely about what mm-hmm. people want and how they're going to engage with that. And I, and I totally agree that's something that um, a lot of businesses, when they get started, especially kind of in the natural food world, are just like, don't think about. It's, it's not the customer. It's, it's kind of what they want to do. Right. Which, you know, turns out isn't a great way to, to run a business. Right, right, right. And they, people have to go through a transition to get there, but I think they do. So you certainly did. So so when you left Sodexo, is that when you went to D.C.? Yeah, so I was, I was at Sodexo, but I, okay. I was the kind of person who had three jobs. Right. Um, <laughs> and you sleep you know, two hours a night, that kind yeah, of person? You know, mm-hmm. I figured let's, let's work. Let's do things that are cool that we're proud of, and uh, just try to learn. You know, I was mm-hmm. young; I didn't know anything. Um, but and, and I was I was smart enough to, to know that I didn't know anything. Yeah, right? well, that was really <laughs> smart, actually. So, kudos yeah. To you. And then, yeah, I came down to DC. I followed my my uh, my wife to be, um, mm-hmm. not at the time, but followed her down to DC. She's from here. She's going to med school down here, and uh, you know, tried to start working at three places. <laughs> <laughs> it's that three jobs thing. Yeah. Right, right. And then when did you start Union Kitchen? So uh, we started Union Kitchen in 2012, and it was uh, it was an outcrop of another business that we had actually started earlier in 2012. We, me, my sister, um, a couple of my buddies um, had this idea of doing a pop-up cafe inside of this bar that was kind of around our houses. Uh-huh. And the reason was, like, you know, I was working food, I was making coffee, uh, making food, but um, our neighborhood had nothing. Like, there was no coffee, there was no salads, there was no sandwiches. Um, so there was nowhere to kind of engage with things. We're like, well, I don't know, maybe we should just make something. At least then we can have coffee in the morning. Um, <laughs> and it'd be, it'd be fun to kind right. of have something that we could put our name on and say, hey, you know, we made this, this is cool. So we started doing that, and that was called the Blind Dog Cafe. It was inside of a bar. Uh, we showed up in the morning, you know, <laughs> we made coffee, we made sandwiches, and then we went away. And, we what came a back hoot. The next day. and how did that pop-up idea work? <laughs> uh, pretty well. I mean, it was crazy. Um, I you know, bet. We'd have bar customers come in at like noon and try to get drinks. And, <laughs> you know, we'd have 
coffee customers come at like 10 p.m. and, and try to get like a an espresso from one right. of the bartenders. <laughs> right. So a bit of customer uh, confusion around it, but I uh, I just I'm always interested in new you know sort of new concepts, right? And and um, if pop-ups could work, it's a nice way to get somebody started, right? So it's an yeah. interesting path. Yeah, I think pop-ups probably don't work, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, the, we, we actually were pretty lucky in that um, we did a pop-up of something that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that a lot of other people liked what we liked. Right. Um, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it went well in that way. It's hard to make money, though, because, like, you know, customer confusion or, like, you know, what are your hours? Right. People, people aren't great with dealing with, with that type of stuff. Right. And then and then there's a lot of work. It's like putting on a – it's like being in a tra- – you know, like the troubadours, right, <laughs> traveling from town to town, putting up your play every day, right? Oh, absolutely. And taking it and down. You know, yeah. Well, the key to doing great retail – is having a great team, a great mm-hmm. team that you're training. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when when you're doing a pop-up, it's kind of hard to focus on training. It's hard to build a team that can kind of grow with you because mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, we're just a pop-up. We're just here. Right. And, yeah, we're going to go away tonight. <laughs> yeah, I can see why that would be difficult. It's like training yeah. a moving team more than a, a retail team, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we did that, and, and uh, so my sister is in. She's making these awesome cookies. Uh-huh. And everyone's coming for a cookie. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to everything else we're doing. And we're like, great. Well, let's make way more cookies. And maybe right. we'll open more, more of these cafes. Maybe they won't be pop-ups. <laughs> maybe they'll be real ones. Maybe an actual um, one. Yeah. So we're like, yeah, we're going to grow. It's going to be great. And, you know, we knew so little. Um, but but in that kind of growth mindset, we, uh, we stumbled across the kitchen. Uh-huh. And we've been looking for a long time for a kitchen to make stuff in because, you know, we couldn't really make this cookie in a bar. Right. We were, and it was really weird. Right. Um, you know, like you'd, you'd ask for a coffee, and there'd just be like a giant ball of, like, cookie dough, like, on the counter next to where we put the coffee. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. There there wouldn't be any food safety issues with that. No, no. It was all great. Department of Health loved it. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, so we looked for a kitchen. We found a kitchen. Uh, end of 2012. Uh, but it was hard uh, because there wasn't really a shared kitchen in the area, and it wasn't like you could just like roll into a, a like, rebuilt kitchen with a couple grand because that was basically our plan. You know, we can scrounge up a few thousand dollars, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, we got lucky and we found this awesome commissary um, from a uh, from from a local company that has you know a handful of stores, and they were moving into a bigger commissary, so uh, they were cool. they were very kind and gracious uh, to, to allow us to basically sign a lease and take that space, which is really cool because, like, who would ever just allow a bunch of Wahoos to... Right, right. <laughs> and and to make cookies. To make cookies, right. And did you tell them that you were going to just... That you were just going to be making cookies. That's what you're going to use it for? Or did you just say... Because the, the fact that you actually got a commissary kitchen is pretty crazy, right? Oh, it's super crazy. I mean, there's there's probably like a half million, a million dollars. Absolutely. Already. Uh-huh. And it was old. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we had to replace a lot of it. But it was a huge start. And it allowed us to basically, with a lot of cleaning and a lot of white paint, mm-hmm. uh, get started for not that much money. Right. Which is a big deal. It's because, a big you know, deal. Building your own kitchen. 
man, that might cost a couple million dollars. Mm -hmm. A commissary kitchen would, yeah. Yeah, 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 a big one. Yeah, big one. (laughs) Yeah, so now you have this big kitchen, and you're making cookies. Making cookies. And we had all these crazy ideas. We were going to make cold brew coffee, um, which maybe we should have. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really big. We are like, all right, well, our friends that make pickles, we're we're talking about needing it. Space. Mm-hmm. Let's just see if they want to use some of it. They take that corner. So, you know, we'll take this corner. And we started having those conversations, and we started filling the space up with our mm-hmm. friends, with like four people, right? Right. <laughs> it was just exciting for me to be around that. Yeah. Um, and it was exciting for me too because it started to be like, hey, you know, we're running this like little pop up, which is like all the small business things, and we're doing it on like passion and just like fun. Mm-hmm. And here's this kitchen. That we can start to run like a big business. Right. You know, like I can, right. I can try and like build a real compost program, not mm-hmm. just like I'm going to compost it in my backyard. Right. And we can build a real you know system around how we maintain equipment. You know, mm-hmm. For me, kind of fun stuff. So we start doing that. We start sharing it. More people want to share this space with food trucks, the caterers, the people making sauce and you know pickles. We do that for a little while. Start looking around. And people are doing okay. Some people can't pay us. Some people um, can't pay and, you, uh, right. Some people maybe aren't doing that great. And I was right. like, damn it. I love this person. They're so cool. They're doing all this awesome stuff. And this reminds me of, you know, when I was, when I was working in that restaurant. It was like, man, we're doing such cool stuff. We're not making money. Right. And so I was like, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not really willing to think that's just like the status quo. It feels right. like this is easily fixed. Mm-hmm. It feels like this is fixed if we take these principles of like a big business and apply them to a small business and try mm-hmm. to just run a good business that focuses on customers and, like, doing the right things. Mm-hmm. I, don't, you know, didn't really know what that meant, but started to try to take everything that, you know, we had learned mm-hmm. um, from our own business, you know, from our own past experiences, and that we were seeing these businesses go through. Right. And try to catalog it, try to teach it, try to remove, mm-hmm. you know, the things that weren't great. Remove uh, the And try to, you know, amplify the things that were great. Yep. Yeah, a lot of that was learning failure yeah <laughs> looking at ourselves and what we got wrong mm-hmm. and being like don't do this um or looking at what other people did right or did mm-hmm. wrong they do this don't do that right um and it's amazing you know you can't google these things no you can't yeah. and so we're are these all your tenants at this point like are they signing yeah, leases or how does that work yeah, or yeah. they're a member yeah. of union kitchen yeah. okay part of the community yep Okay, so are you set up as a member organization? Yeah. Like legally? Uh-huh. Yeah, so we set it up where, like, basically it's members, and, and we kind of treated the idea we're almost like a gym where you're paying a monthly fee, you're coming in, you're using the space. You're like you a know, gym is what you're saying. We're tracking yeah. it. We're just, hey, come and use this, build a business. Okay. So legally, you're not like a member LLC or a co op. You are a just yeah. a business. Okay. Just a regular old LLC. A regular old <laughs> LLC. And they pay a membership yeah. uh, just to, for use of the kitchen, like yep. a gym. Yep. Okay. And then you, uh, so then you're watching a lot of failure because a, a, that that's ubiquitous, I think, in a lot of shared use kitchen facilities and incubators oh, yeah. around in businesses, period, but certainly food. Um, that, that the failure rate of the businesses and the churn rate is really pretty high. So um, so you, you jumped in and decided you'd try to do some technical assistance, essentially, to solve that. Yeah. You know, yeah, a few things. I mean, the rate of, like, a food business failing is crazy. It's, like, 80% the first year or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, there's a lot of numbers you could pull, but it's high. It's high, um, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then the other side of it is, you know, it's great to kind of lower the barrier to entry by lowering the cost of a kitchen for someone. Mm. But capitalism has been pretty clear over the last, you know, I don't know, 500 years that if you don't have the capital to build something, then you're not going to go to build it. So kind of like removing a, a need for capital uh, in a kitchen does not remove the need for capital otherwise. Right. Uh, so we point. had to start thinking about, well, one, can we get a bunch of money? Or two, can we find other ways to lower the need for capital mm-hmm. um, in not only technical assistance, but in the infrastructure? Mm-hmm. So we had built this kitchen. Like, right. and this was a powerful thing. People could start a business legally and do it right. Well, could we also lower their costs, you know, through purchasing, through, you know, them not needing a lawyer, right. get started, through, through little stuff like that, and those little things add up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing that. But th- then we started thinking, okay, big picture, infrastructure. Like, mm-hmm. What are the things that kill businesses? And we looked in food, and we said, it's distribution. Mm-hmm. How do you sell your food? Right. Who, who's going to buy it? Who wants, you know, your, 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 your Sally, and you make, uh, you make croissants. And you're just driving around in your Volvo, uh, trying to sell ah. in the coffee shops, and everyone just thinks you're crazy. Yeah. Um, and you are crazy because you think that's going to work. Right. <laughs> and uh, you know, for us, we, we saw that we saw you know Whole Foods, we saw some some distributors, and seeing all these things that were happening, and we're like, wow, there's just no way you can do this. You basically have to skip to like step ten in your growth plan. Because there's no steps. There, two right, nine. two, three, and four uh, don't exists. exist. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we started a distribution company at that point. We got a truck. Um, you know, we went to Whole Foods and they were awesome. Um, mm-hmm. We built a partnership with the Mid Atlantic team where, mm-hmm. you know, they they wanted local products mm-hmm. and we had local products, and they were tired of local products showing up at their stores and pitching, you know, their crazy idea with some crazy pricing, right, right. with the crazy delivery plan and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we... There was too many people. It was too many people for the retailers to have to deal with. I think that's the, you know, and getting into the head of the customers, I think that's hard for the small food entrepreneurs to get their head around, that they're just one of a hundred lovely, local, passionate, small food entrepreneurs who have showed up at that, you know, Whole Foods in the last month, right? And it's too yeah, much. In the last two hours. In the last two um, hours in D.C. <laughs> probably is the last two hours, yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, was, um, it, it was a lot. You know, it's overwhelming. Right. Um, but it's funny because it's like, um, hey, guys, this has already been solved right. a long time ago. Right, right, Like, right. there's distribution companies with trucks mm-hmm. and warehouses. Mm-hmm. They bring thousands of products to Whole Foods, literally. Mm-hmm. It's really easy mm-hmm. for the stores to buy them. So why don't we replicate that? And why don't we take all these awesome businesses, let's bundle them all up, mm-hmm. and then let's go and make it easy for the buyers to, to get all this cool stuff. And yeah, so we started doing that. Whole Foods is an awesome partner in, in starting that. But then we started working with, you know, about 100 other uh, stores, locations mm-hmm. uh, in the area here. And mm-hmm. uh, we've been growing our distribution since then. So do you, you, you said you had a, you bought a truck. So do you run your own trucks? So you're doing right yeah. distribution. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah, we're big believers you got to do it. Yeah. And so, so yeah, we, uh, how many trucks do you have? Right now, we have uh, two trucks uh-huh. that we run seven days a week uh-huh. uh, and run them out a couple times a day. Cool. Um, so, really trying to be super efficient with those. Right. And and you're, they're running around an urban area, right? So Yeah. So, certainly mm-hmm. D.C. We, you know, we, we do... Um, uh, the kind of immediate metro area. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to sell food. Right, right. 
How many people are in the metro area of D.C.? Man, I don't know. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> know. you know, I, I asked that because, cause like, Madison metro area is 500,000 people, and Milwaukee is 1.5 million, and then, you, you know, like, Chicago's 10 million, and it's, it's sort of orders of magnitude different, and it has a big yeah. impact on what works business-wise. That's why I asked. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably five million-ish. Mm-hmm. Probably area. if you included like Arlington and the surrounding oh, yeah. areas, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very densely populated. Yeah, yeah. In like the the suburbs. Yeah, I think it's a funny thing that that you bring up there, though. Just thinking about like, you know, orders of magnitude. Um, mm-hmm. you know what's really cool is that people eat food mm-hmm. all day, every day, and it, you know, sometimes we talk about competition or people being like, well, you know, we don't want to have food truck trucks. Uh, like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know how much chocolate is eaten, you know, by 100,000 people? Mm-hmm. Not to mention how many other people might be here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's room for, like, 100 chocolate companies. Mm-hmm. As long as we make those chocolate companies in the way that people want them mm-hmm. and at a price that they're excited to pay. And so I think about, like, even, like, you know, Madison or uh, or Chicago or small town, you know, where I grew up in. Like, man, there's, there's an enormous amount of opportunity to make food that people want. Yeah, people and spend a lot of money on food. Yeah, they do. Except uh, my experience in a town the size of Madison with five hundred thousand people is that kind of what's really interesting is kind of you pick. It doesn't matter kind of what product they make, right? Make this is makers, right? And decent price, mm-hmm. but it's always going to be more expensive than the typical conventional because you have no economies of scale. And, you know, it, it could be just about any product, and they can hit maybe 20000 in sales and it's, and if all they're doing is selling this one product. And, and that's about it. And, and I th- it's very interesting to me, and I think part of it is that we kind of take it for granted because we live in this bubble that everybody is looking for cool local brands that are really great. And the truth yeah. is mo- a lot of people, in fact, most people – kind of go shopping and they get what they know um Uh and they're not that they're not that adventurous about it and so they're they're i think there's this narrative in the food world and that just because everybody eats there's enough market for anybody to do anything anywhere and from the mid the view of the midwest and rural communities that's absolutely not true so dc absolutely i get it but not here well, so you, just be careful. You know, I, I think you're right about that. I, I think the, the corollary to that is that if you make things that people want at a price they want, mm-hmm. you know, not things you want, not this niche product, yeah, mm-hmm. like how many people want a gluten-free croissant. But you know what? There's a ton of donuts being sold in every town in America. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of coffee being sold in every town in America. You open a coffee shop on a street that literally probably doesn't have anyone walking on it right now. Mm-hmm. But even those people around there wanted coffee. So I'm not, it works everywhere. But what I'm saying is that I, I think uh, if you build a product that people genuinely want, and you can prove that in a, in a localized way. Mm-hmm. So for us, we're trying to prove that people want our product mm-hmm. really, like they really want them. And then we want to grow and expand them into other regions. So I, I think kind of the same idea goes through. If you're in one store, people keep showing up to buy it. And, and they got it last week, and they're coming back for more, and they want, like, four of them this time, you know, because they're like, this is a part of my life. 
Oh, well, man. yeah. Like, so you've got a whole country to scale into now. Yeah. So one other thing that you just said that makes this more workable. So, so in Madison, the twenty thousand. That's somebody selling wholesale through the existing retailers here in a yeah. grocery store. That 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 the where that equation changes is if here is if somebody says, "Oh, I'm going to open a chocolate shop, right, or a coffee shop, or something." that is consumer facing, then the economics tend to be very different. So yeah, yeah it forces the business models to be different. Um, and your, what I find interesting about what has happened with you is how you have evolved your business model to solve problems too, right? Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. so standalone kitchen failing because your clients are failing, right, as businesses. So you stepped in now with this distribution business to help them get scale. Um, yep. to help them stop failing quite as much. And how's that going? It's going well. Good. You know, uh, we, uh, when we first started, I think we talked a little bit about, like, hey, our not-failure rate is this. Uh-huh. And we were, we were really proud of that. You should um, be. That's not something I'd ever say to, uh, anymore. Now I want to talk about success rate. And now success is harder mm-hmm. to find, of course. But I want to talk about success rate because I don't care if you didn't fail in two years. Right. But you didn't keep doing it after that. Right. And I don't care if you didn't fail in five years, you know, because you mm-hmm. stopped doing it after five years. I mean, it's cool, and I'm glad you tried. But what, I, what we want to create are people that are really shooting for it, mm-hmm. that are looking to make good money, that mm-hmm. want to put their kids through college off this business, that this is not a labor of love. Mm-hmm. This is a sustainable, growing business mm-hmm. that they can say this built, you know, this community, this built this family, uh, this sure. built something. Uh, that matters. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, that Exo wasn't trying to just get by for a few years and not fail. Right. <laughs> and, right. You know, that's the mentality that we're trying to bring to our businesses now. Cool. And, uh, and, and it's really changed the culture. And I it's bet. really created this environment where everyone's like, man, like, great. Like, this one store loves my product. Uh, now I need to be in five. And right. then it's like, now I need to be in 25. And right. then we're like, great. Let's, let's get you into, like, another city. Let's, let's, let's find right. you a thousand stores. Mm-hmm. And that mentality is really, really awesome. Cool. So have you seen some of your original folks who are using your kitchens? You know, so some of them have come along with this change in the culture? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hey, we, we all want to be successful. Um, yeah, and we I all think so, well, too. And we don't want to go back to, to to a job that we didn't like in the first place. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, so, I think... Yeah, people I think, are going to do the things that uh, they're going to yeah. help them find success. Yeah, and I think we get, we do people a disservice when we say, well, you know, it's okay, you know, even if it's a hobby. And I'm like, a food business with $10,000 in sales is probably losing $10,000 in cash, and so golf would be a cheaper hobby. <laughs> yeah, so how do we, how do you punch through that, right? Right, so and that's what you're solving. That exactly, I love that's it. an important milestone for our businesses. When do you do ten thousand a month? You should be really proud of that. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably you might be losing money. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely not sustainable. You're not right. like, you know, making enough money to be like, Hey, you know, this is all I'm gonna do the rest of my life. Right. No. Like you've got a lot of work to do. Right. Um so yeah, that's when for us that's one of the milestones mm-hmm. um that that we focus on hitting and then we've got <laughs> a bunch after that. I one. bet you do. So now you're distributing and Yep. So that when did you start the distribution company? So that was 2013. It wasn't it wasn't all that long. Okay, after. it was pretty you know, we, fast. We just kind of you know, quickly realized there were some major flaws and right and uh, 
a week until the gap. Right. Um, so we started that in 2013. We, we came to a similar realization about a few other things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, launching a product mm-hmm. uh, was tough, and really getting great customer feedback was tough. Mm-hmm. You know, we had good partners, but, you know, they're, they're running their business. Uh, so we actually opened up our own store in uh, 2015. I think we opened our first one. Um, certainly had the idea earlier, but opening a store is hard. So uh, we opened uh, <laughs> one store in 2015. We got another one last year uh-huh. and opened two more this year. Oh, my goodness. So tell yeah. me what your stores are like. Um, our stores, if we're doing them right, uh-huh. are places where people are getting what they want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we kind of went back to our roots on this a little bit, and we serve great coffee. Yeah. We make great sandwiches, and yeah. we have my sister's cookies, uh-huh. and they're delicious still. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and then we've got a bunch of stuff on our and, you know, some of that stuff is made in our kitchen, and it's made by our members, and it's right. made locally, and it's made in D.C. And, you know, we're really trying to tell that story. But yep. we also just have things people want. We're not a specialty store. I don't want to be a special place. Right. We've got Coca-Cola. We've got Doritos. Mm, um, we've got bottled water, you know, from around the world. Because mm-hmm. um, we want to have things that people want. And that's our ethos at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And we want to see our local businesses in that, at that price point selling to those people that want to buy a Coke. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, the market for people that want to buy a specialty beverage is not big enough. It'll mm-hmm. never work. It won't work in D.C. or New York. Right, or and it's certainly not working out here, right? Yeah, you got to be in that real marketplace. Mm-hmm. you got to be in that Coca-Cola marketplace where you can sell something at the right price and people are really excited to make it a part of their daily routine. Mm-hmm. you you got to normalize. You have to take, you have to take the, the marketing cachet of being local, of being cool, of being new, but you still got to win at just being, this is something I could see myself doing all the time. Right, right. So and you, you've made it, store. yeah, so you've made it accessible. So part of what your stores are doing is making this locally produced food accessible to them, call it the mass yeah. market. Oh, yeah, and we're trying to make sure our prices are really good there. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that our beverage isn't, isn't more than the other beverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what's really cool is they can find it in our store. Then they can find it in Whole Foods. They can sure. find it in another store in the area. Right. So it's like we start to change a mindset that this is, is a normal thing that they should be engaging with. Mm-hmm. But then we're learning. Yeah. And you know what I've learned? I've learned that people really love Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> and they, you know what they love, like, after Coca-Cola? Diet Coke. And then they love, like, Coke Zero. Uh-huh. And it's like, all right, great. What do we learn? You know, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of lessons to learn, um, you know, some of which we're not going to apply, but some that we should totally be thinking about applying. Right. Um, you know, there, there's good things there. So we take the data from our stores. We're able mm-hmm. to apply that to our businesses. We're able to take the data on our businesses right. in our stores. Right. And then help right. them out with that. Be like, hey, listen, yep. you know, your product is uh, not doing well in our store. Which means it won't, won't do well, do well somebody stuff. else's, where there's going to be less promotion. Yeah. So what do we do, mm-hmm. and how do we how do we do that? Or mm-hmm. hey, your product's doing great. It's doing great at this time, but not that time. Mm-hmm. And what does that tell you about your core customer? Right. And is that what you want? Is that not what you want? And then how do you use that information to pivot your brand? That's so fantastic. Um, so yeah, are your cool. are your stores in? Um, how to say this? Are they in locations with the same demographics, or kind of different? I, I think one pretty different. One. I mean, yeah. we want to get the corner store. So uh-huh. we've, got, we've got one in Capitol Hill. 
Uh-huh. Um, that was a former corner store, you know, bulletproof glass, right. the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, we took all that out. <laughs> well, that was, and, uh, you know, audacious of you. Yeah, yeah. We've been broken into a few times. Yeah. <laughs> so it was probably there it. for a reason. Yep. <laughs> but we're all right with that. You know, our mission is, uh, is very clear, so we're going to go after it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, we've got one in like, the Shaw neighborhood, which is definitely different than that, mm-hmm. and we're opening one up downtown. So, yeah, we're trying to get different neighborhoods, but what we're trying to do more than anything is, is, is get foot traffic. Mm-hmm. We want to get people in our stores. The way mm-hmm. we, we actually uh, pick a location is it's entirely about the neighborhood because we think our stores, you're not driving to them, you know? Right. Uh, this is like you live within three blocks, and you're like, oh, man, I just got to run down the street and, like, get something to drink or, like, right. get a snack or get a frozen pizza. Right. And uh, in my mission, my goal is for that frozen pizza to be made pizza. Right. So, so that's the idea of the stores. Yeah, so that's the idea. And and if they are in diverse neighborhoods, um, then just the whole demographics and psychographics and everything else, then they really are useful for market research purposes because they can help your right com- your companies figure out oh, whether yeah. their products work better. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we love D.C. for that reason. I mean, D.C. is it's one of those places that's just, it's still representative of the whole country. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. that, you know, you, if you can do it here, you can do it other places. Right, like right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Between our different type of consumers, mm-hmm. our different types of neighborhoods, yeah. even like, you know, our suburbs and our education levels. I mean, mm-hmm. D.C. is a really great place to, to launch a, grant, a brand. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because people don't, I, I don't think people think about from the outside, we don't think of yeah. D.C. from in that perspective, right? We think about government, obviously. But, yeah. 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 So each one of these steps, um, are, are they all within the same business, or did you add them as separate businesses? You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, we, we got one big old ugly business. One big old ugly vertically, yeah. yeah vertically integrated. Integrated businesses, uh, right. yeah. 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 Those are kind of our physical elements of yep. what we call our accelerator. Mm-hmm. And we're running this with one company that has one mission. Right. And that one mission is to build successful businesses. Businesses. And these are the tools, mm-hmm. those three things I described. Yep. They're the tools that we use mm-hmm. to create these businesses. And we wrap that all up in an accelerator mm-hmm. uh, program that has a curriculum and it has classes and it has mm-hmm. one-on-one meetings and it has mentors. Oh, my goodness. A investor community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all these different things that we think allow us to build successful businesses. Mm-hmm. What I really like about what you're doing is, um, you know, I, I travel around the country now um, working with communities uh, around food. Um, awesome. And, which is awesome. And, you know, lots of communities have pieces of what you're doing, but they aren't um, integrated and they aren't connected. And, um, and so they, to varying degrees, sync with each other and don't sync with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so as as cumbersome as it might be to have this vertically integrated business with all these components to it, it forces it to be in sync, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there's a lot of ways of doing this. There's a lot of ways mm-hmm. to grow a business. Um, you know, yeah. the Star Way, uh, mm-hmm. we like it. It works for me yeah. as, uh, you know, as CEO. And uh-huh. Our ultimate goal is, like, let's build this ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And some of those elements we'll, we'll do, and some of those elements we'll find the right people. You know, right. you know I'm, I'm not designing packages. Uh, we've right. got awesome partners that design packages. Mm-hmm. 
we're trying to find like really awesome capital partners mm-hmm. that are excited about food and they're excited about DC and they're mm-hmm. excited about consumer packaged goods. So do the the businesses now? Let's talk about the businesses. So is there growing? Have you had anybody graduate out of the commissary kitchen and get because they've now gotten too big? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know we don't say graduate uh, because you know, we like to think of people as always being a part of our community. And yeah, no, I mean they're still part of it, but you know what I'm saying. But yeah, they definitely. Yeah, we don't work in the kitchen forever. We've got some people making a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've actually uh, a few things. We we opened a second kitchen um, mm-hmm. because uh, the space was being used, so that yeah. we could provide you know more runway for a brand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting thing when you first get started. It costs a lot of money to kind of build your own kitchen. Yeah. And when you're doing really well, it still costs a lot of money to build your own kitchen. Mm-hmm. So you know, one of our goals is to is to really help delay the need for someone to do that. Yeah. Uh, with our infrastructure, I mean, if you can push that off another year, if you can mm-hmm. push that off another like half million in sales, then you're going to be in a lot better place. Because what you don't want to do is raise money uh, when your sales are low. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just kind of gonna. That's not a great. It's not. It's not great. So, so there's that side of it. Um, to kind of just like step back, big picture numbers, we've worked with 400 businesses. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, and it's, it's not like we met 400 businesses. It's like, you know, 400 businesses yep. meet food. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't hobbyists. They, they didn't come once. These are people that signed year-long mm-hmm. uh, memberships, and we encouraged them to come seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And so of those 400, in D.C. alone, there's been 80 storefronts that have been opened mm-hmm. by those businesses. Fantastic. So that's a, that's a good number. That's, that's, that's a, a huge number. Thing. I mean, DC is not that big, right? Mm-hmm. So we're pretty excited about that because that's 80 businesses that are spending money into our community. That's 80 businesses that didn't exist that are hiring. Yeah. Um, and you got to hire a handful of people to do yep. that. Yeah. So of those 400 businesses, you know, different degrees of success, but uh, well over a thousand people have been hired yep. by those businesses. Yeah. Um, which which that. we're very proud of because that. That's a big number, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's bigger than a carrier plant in Indiana. Yep. Um, that is all over the news the last, like, year. So <laughs> we're very proud of that and that kind of impact it has in our community, but also how it moves forward our ecosystem. People yep. with jobs, got money, spend mm-hmm. money on food, and they spend money on food they want mm-hmm. when it's the right price. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, it's all part of for us building that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So of those 400, a whole bunch have opened their own storefront. Yeah. Uh, we've had a handful that have opened their own factories. Cool. As well. Yeah, which is really cool. That's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think uh, I'm guesstimating, because I don't have the number in front of me, but I think we've had about 20 businesses that have raised over a million dollars at this mm-hmm. point to fund either the opening of a facility or to fuel their growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's funding then, collectively or singly? Oh, each one. Each one yeah. has raised over a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and some of them much more. Yeah, great. From a lender or investor point of view, to have have somebody go through a rigorous development process like you're describing, um, and come out the other end with something that actually has sales, and you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. That uh-huh. that makes it a lot easier to say yes, right? That's the whole goal, and then mm-hmm. so we're on the other side of that table, being like, "Hey, you know, investment community, right? We've got some brands that we've worked with, mm-hmm. and you know, you can you can trust when we say like people want their food. Mm-hmm. We've proved it, and trust me when I say they're good operators because they had to be. 
mm-hmm. or else we would have kicked them out of the kitchen. Right. And and trust me when I say they pay their bills. Mm-hmm. Like they're good people and they're 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 coachable and they listen. So we see ourselves just like we were with Whole Foods, this kind of connecting piece. Uh, we see ourselves as that connecting piece to the investment community, whether mm-hmm. it's someone that wants to put 20 grand in or someone that wants to put 20 million mm-hmm. uh, into a business. We want to be like, hey, listen, mm-hmm. we did something that you like that makes your decision easier. Right. Um, come check it out. Right. Right. <laughs> and then, so do you have other plans? Is what, what are you thinking of for the future? Our, our future plans are, you know, quite simply, let's, let's build some national brands mm-hmm. uh, here in D.C. That, that prove it locally and scale regionally. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the plan, yeah. And, you know, so we want to keep building this ecosystem here. We want to have, like, great investors. And we want to have awesome mm-hmm. mentors. We want to have, like, the best designers. And, and uh, we want to have really awesome stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to have bigger kitchens. And you want to isn't that crazy like i i yeah when i was running white clover i we had a big plant and we worked a lot with another cheese company who um was growing very quickly and we i was um you know talking to the owner of that company he said you know tara the thing about food is you never have enough space to process and so every time i build a new facility, I always um, build out the offices in space that can become production space. And I thought, what a clever idea. What a, you know, like it was such a germ of a wonderful idea, right? That, that because it, it, it's this thing about food as you grow, you always need more stainless steel to go somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. That is very, very true. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, have you ever thought of a co-packing facility. So we, we have one in, in Wisconsin that is a small-scale co-packing facility that's um, actually a sheltered workshop as well. But it has been an incredibly powerful stepping stone for wholesale brands to scale up production, right, when it's now, when they actually need somebody else doing it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think uh, co-packing is a really important part of an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and this yeah, small-scale co-packing is really difficult to find, right? I'm not... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 Really and they not. can't do everything you know and all of, you know, everybody's always complaining because they can't, there are limitations with that plant. But like anything else, you can't do everything and you have to pick. But I, I was just curious whether you thought had ever thought about that for your yeah, ecosystem. We think about it all the time. <laughs> I so, suppose you would. We, we, uh, we tried doing co-packing actually and we mm-hmm. stopped doing it um because it's really hard it is um, really hard but you know what we uh we took a look at our philosophy and we thought like hey what what to us is a great company mm-hmm. and we think a company that makes their food that makes it really well that is the best at making what they make mm-hmm. um can be really really competitive on a shelf mm-hmm. um and, you know, uh, co-packers are awesome for scaling. But, you know, co-packers make food their way, yep. not your way, yep. um, with their machines, not mm-hmm. your machines, and with their staff, not your staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you lose control. Um, so we're a big fan of someone being, like, really amazing at making their product. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe they find the right co-packer. Um, but, you know, if the co-packer can just make your stuff, then I don't really know why, why you need to be there, right? <laughs> so we want people yeah. to... But, so you know, on some good. level, it's, it's like 
Yeah, I'm talking when oh, yeah. you're scaling, like you physically can't make your product anymore. Like you can't grow yeah. and be physically making your own product. It's not even, it doesn't even make any sense anymore, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. but it sounds like your companies are, pro- if they're getting there, they're they're just raising the money and building their own production facility. Yeah, we've got a mix of both. I mean, I think, I, like I said, I think a co-backer is an important part of an ecosystem. Um, yeah, for some people, it's the right move. For others, mm-hmm. you know, they can kind of continue making their thing uh, mm-hmm. on their own. And, you know, for some, it's that there's not someone that can make their stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've got something that's unique or it's its own process or it's, it's different enough. Yeah. Um, and that's important to them. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a broad mix, but we definitely have some brands that are working with co-packers because they mm-hmm. physically can't do it, you know? Right. It's like too much food, which is a great right. problem to have. Yeah, too much food um, is a good problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then we've got some people that are trying to build factories, or, you know, we're trying to build them a factory in mm-hmm. our space. So we're doing that with a couple brands. Cool. We're just trying to knock down walls and put a lot of plugs in and see if we can build, a, you know, a chip mm-hmm. factory or, or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. the, the product is. So opening a couple of new stores, continuing to build the ecosystem sounds like a really good focus to me. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. We've got our hands full. <laughs> you, I bet you do. Do you have any oh. designs for doing any online product services at all or, or staying in the real world for now? Well, you know, we're, we're a big fan of the real world uh-huh. um, in that, you know, you can really learn a lot. I think obviously e-commerce is, uh, is an enormous place for people to, to be and to grow their mm-hmm. business so we're we help people with that we're supportive of it you know it's definitely a thing that we want to see if we can uh become great at mm-hmm. um but yeah you know our, our primary focus is definitely like let's rock dc let's right. get people to fall in love with these products in dc mm-hmm. and then, then let's see what's next then let's see if we can sell them online right well and i think I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the experience of your companies has been, but the companies that I work with out here, um, it's tough, man, to get food, people to buy food online. You know, people want to pick out their own tomato. They really do. Yeah, yeah, super hard. And, and, and I don't know, that's kind of why we're like, hey, make people love it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, have we, we've covered a lot of ground. You have done an amazing amount of business model evolution in a really short time period, right? This is, if I'm counting right, five, six years, this has all happened. Yeah, that's the right math. Yeah, 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 that's amazing. You know, and I think of a lot of shared-use kitchens who, you know, who haven't progressed in that way with their business model and... Um, yeah, it's, I, I think you're, you know, kind of a shining light of what is necessary to make this all work. Well, yeah, I, we're definitely, uh, we're in it to try. We're in it to try to build these things. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, have um, we missed anything? We got lots of companies to talk about. I we didn't get to do that yet. get so. it. <laughs> I get it. Well, yeah. So maybe what we'll do is um, uh, get you on on the show again sometime in the future, and we'll talk about some of your brands. That would be cool, especially some of them that are ready to go beyond D.C., which may be a bit anathema to your mission, but I don't think so. It sounds like you want to build some national brands. Yeah, that's the whole mission. Yeah. Let's kill it it in D.C. so that they Mm -hmm. go into the rest of the country Mm -hmm. ready to go, like ready to Mm -hmm. build, ready to scale. Right, right. Well, this cool. This is the launch pad. Yeah. 
Yeah, so maybe we could do one in the future with you and a couple of your brand folks on, too. That oh, would be fun. We've got some fun people. I bet you do. <laughs> we'll have some good conversations. I bet you do. Okay, well, terrific. Thanks so much for joining us, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to, to talking much more often. Yep, take care. All right, um, take care. Yep, bye. Bye.